Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast. Welcome to the STEM Everyday Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chris Woods. Putting STEM into every classroom, every day. I'm so excited that you join us on today's episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast. Today we get to talk with author Kat Warren. Now, if you hear the name Kat, you might think it's a book about cats, but she actually wrote a bestseller book about dogs. And I think you're going to find out that if you have kids in your class that like pets, they like dogs, there are some incredible science and STEM connections that we can, we can draw out. And thanks to Kat for joining us today. Thanks. It's really a pleasure to be on your show. Thanks for yeah. having me. Yeah, definitely. And uh, just so you know, uh, you can find more about Kat at catwarren.com. And she is not only a former journalist, uh, she teaches at NC State. So go Wolfpack, right? Yeah. I can and- give a little signal, which you can't see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. But you recently wrote a book and now it's just been changed also into a young reader's edition. It's called What the Dog Knows. Now that's K-N-O-W-S, not N-O-S-E, but a lot of it focuses on how dogs use their nose to do some incredible things. So uh, Kat, you've always loved dogs, right? Yes, actually. It goes back to, I think we've had dogs in our family ever since I was a small child. Yeah. So we started out with hunting labs, and then my father loved Irish setters, which people almost never see these days, right? The Irish right, setter. yeah. Used to be a really popular dog, but it's a kind of hunting dog. Um, it, it's a pointer, so it, it freezes when it finds game. And then um, my parents got me a little miniature dachshund when I was like 10 years old. <laughs> Very small. I was a small child and I wanted an Irish wolfhound, and, um, which of course is the largest breed out there. And what I got was a miniature dachshund. There you go. <laughs> completely, completely not what you asked for, but probably a lot safer. So disappointed. I was so disappointed. And then, um, and then when I became sort of, when I turned 20 and was sort of out of the house, I turned to German shepherds, which I've always loved. And, and the German shepherd is really the focus of this story that you wrote that not only tells the story of, of incredible story about working with dogs in a very unusual kind of job, but it's also just stories and, and some of the science that goes on in that too. So just tell us uh, real quickly, Kat, uh, that the story follows you guys getting a dog, right? That's right. And there was this point where um, I had a German Shepherd and we lost him at a, uh, he wasn't very old when we lost him. He was only seven years old. And, and I went to get another dog and went to, to a breeder who had these lovely uh, West German German Shepherds, and um, the problem was there's always a problem. Mm-hmm. It would be a book if there wasn't a problem, right? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> so, that's a that's a good reminder for all of you teachers who are. And it was everything was happy and nothing happened. The end. Um, but he was a singleton. He was uh, the only pup in his litter. There was no litter, and in dogs that basically creates. Uh, little doggy sociopaths. <laughs> they, they simply don't know how to communicate with other dogs because you learn how to give and take in a litter and Solo didn't know how to do that. And so he was pretty full of himself. Um, and he was also 
dog reactive. In those days, we could have would have called it dog aggressive. Mm -hmm. Right, I would go into a a puppy class and he would be barking and hackling, but he, you know, he looked like a bully and he acted like a bully. Uh -huh. But he was really a little fearful of other dogs because he just couldn't speak dog language. So this is this is how his world as a scent dog began because I was trying to find something to do with him that didn't involve working with other dogs because <laughs> it wasn't going to work. And um, I, I took him to a trainer who did search and rescue and she suggested that I train him as a cadaver dog. So right away, when people hear that idea of a cadaver dog, they instantly think, okay, so you're finding, you're using your dog to help find uh, bodies, bodies of people who may have passed away. And yeah, it's just a, it's a searching process. And, and because dogs have such a, a highly sensitive sense of smell. In fact, in the book, there's all sorts of facts sprinkled throughout uh, with different graphics and things that are very, uh, very beautiful. I got to say, Kat, whoever um, did all those things. Your book did a terrific job. But but the part of the brain devoted to the nose in dogs can be 40 times bigger. That's just an incredible bit of information that allows dogs to do some incredible things. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not that humans have terrible noses. We actually have better noses than we think we do. <laughs> it's not that the dog has the best nose out there, right? Because I think we're pretty clear that bears and killer whales and pigs have... Yeah probably better noses than dogs. Yeah. Uh, the dog's nose is such a good size and the dog is such a good size yeah. with humans. Um, dogs um, want to please us and yeah. that relationship really creates a team where the dog's nose is so central, right? Yeah. But at the same time, you've got to that that whole package is important, right? Yeah, yeah. It would be a lot tougher if we were um, searching with with trained bears or killer whales. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit harder. <laughs> it is very funny though, um, since dogs are trained these days to detect so many things. Um, mm -hmm. One of the top studies out there actually is about dogs that detect orcas or killer whales. And they put dogs on boats, and the dogs go and tell the boat where the orcas are. Oh, wow. Because That's they, crazy. They can smell orca poop from very long <laughs> way away. Yeah. And so scientists can then study the health of the whales without stressing out the whales. Yeah. But for a kid that loves pets and loves animals, uh, especially if you have like, uh, you know, like your young readers version of the book. And again, the book is titled What the Dog Knows. Uh, again, we're chatting with Kat Warren. If you have a kid that enjoys animals or pets or things like that, I mean, this is a terrific book to just have available in your classroom library. Um, it could spark some interest, some ideas. It can get kids thinking about maybe future careers. Because I know one of the one of the graphics in the book here talks about uh, how science is used to solve different mysteries. And there are forensics chemists, which kind of look at the, the DNA and fingerprint, that part, which probably most people think of right away. But then there's also forensics toxicologists, and they can uh, look at poison and overdose. Or, and then forensics anthropologists, which, you know, maybe if you've watched the show Bones, that was kind of really the focus of, of that show. Yes. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, part of it is, is that for me, when you say cadaver dog, you think, oh God, this must be a grim book. But right. It's surprisingly not frightening to kids. And I think that part hmm. of it is that 
they're a little bit used to seeing some of this on television, frankly. Yeah. And I also think that the way it's presented, the fact is, is that it's a puzzle for the dog and the dog loves doing it. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of service. So it ends up that, that the idea of there being a lot of sort of decomposing bodies lying around the book isn't true. No, no, um, it's definitely not. And I, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because I, I, I was very conscious of that when I did this book. And one of the things I did is I took some kids who were young and smart and wanted to tackle it. And they read the adult book and then they marked in the adult book what they liked Mm-hmm. where they were bored and where they were frightened. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And there were lots of places they were bored and yeah. I, I totally got it. And I worked on those spots, but what was interesting was there were only a few, very few places where they were frightened and I could go back and go, I, I get that. I can mm-hmm. see that. And so it was, I really, I mean, I had outside help here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> into yeah. A, a young reader's version. Right. Again, Definitely check out all the different resources. And, and Kat, I know you're putting some resources on your website for educators, some, some, some extension questions, some just to get kids thinking about um, different types of careers or, or what kind of things are going on in a situation. And, and you've got some links and things on your website as well. Again, that's catwarren.com. And of course, all the different ways to connect with Kat would be in the, in the show notes. But I think what I hear coming out in this is a little bit of you teach a science journalism class, among other things, at, at NC State. And I think sometimes as educators, we, we forget that there are those STEM connections to, to literacy and writing. And, and you just thinking through having kids read through a book and pointing out different parts that that's an important process of that, that writing process, especially when there's STEM and science involved. Yes. And I think, I mean, because to me, the STEM and science part of this is part of what I loved in the original research of the book, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I had questions that I didn't have good answers for, right? Yeah. I was working with the dog and stuff was happening and I'm going, wow, that's amazing. Or why didn't he get that? Or mm-hmm. what's happening in this situation, right? With mm-hmm. weather and humidity and detection and all the things that happen when you're out looking for somebody who's missing, right? Yes, so, yeah. Part of it is, is my father was a biologist. He was a wildlife and fisheries biologist. And yep. in a way, I was sort of raised with that, let's walk out in the woods and see what's out there. Definitely. And I think that's something we often miss. We think, we think STEM and we instantly think robots and 3D printing in our classroom. And we think getting kids to use high-tech devices in our classroom. But getting kids outside with a dog or a pet, or, or something, and, and in nature, and, and thinking about why does something work, why does something not work, what's, and, and honestly, most of the story, as, I'm, as I was reading it through it, Kat, it's like problem solving, one after another, how do you solve this problem to help my dog be able to, to train and to find it, and problem solving is such an important skill for our kids to be learning. Yeah, and I think, I mean, for me, I teach in an English department, to me, is that notion of turning to something that's so completely different. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's a intellectual puzzle, certainly, but it's also a puzzle of, like, I never, I was never a Girl Scout, but mm-hmm. sort of that ability to go out in the woods and go, how do you figure out what elevation you're at? If you yeah. have your tools, where do you figure out where North is? 
How do you use the natural terrain to sort of keep your eyes open and figure out where you should head and what would the efficient way be to search an area? Yeah. Optimal way. And, and, you know, not so much what the dangers are, although there are always things that you want to kind of keep an eye out for. Right. I mean, there's so many still wonderful things that I'm learning. For instance, when I'm out in the North Carolina woods where I go, oh, I never saw that kind of tree before. Yeah, exactly. And I think kids need a little more of that sense of wonder and that sense of discovery. You know, I think it doesn't take much. I think that we get so, all of us get so sort of narrow tuned in and even teaching a graduate class in science journalism, I really have to talk to the students about, you have to go out and talk to people and (laughs) your very best way to experience science is to be with the person while they're doing it. Whatever it is they're doing and it'll give you so much more information and then they'll do it and they'll go, Oh my God, that was amazing. Yeah. And it's sort of like, and I'll say, well, have you ever interviewed somebody before? No, and I was really scared, but, and these are graduate students, so I can well imagine that experience of sort of science on the ground is something that kids probably don't need very much to get excited about it. Yeah. And I think, um, again, chatting with Kat Warren, uh, author of What the Dog Knows, um, it really is. It's it's such a neat book because it's it's got story that I think is inspiring to a kid. And and yet it shows that that even like you said, you're you're this English teacher and here you're trying to have to figure out these brand new things. You, you hadn't trained a dog to become a cadaver dog before. So you started to research. You went, you're like, where am I gonna find a book? And you, you know, I, I love the part you're almost like, I'm sneaking into the veterinary library part at my university, you know, hoping no one will see me, but to find the information that we need. And, and that's such a great reminder for, for all of our kids, especially if you have something that you're passionate about, jump in and find out more. And, and this became a big part of your life, something you enjoy doing. Yeah, and it's still, it's oddly still a big part of my life because uh, even though Solo has passed on and he does not die in the book happily, but the good long life, I'm continuing to work with dogs and uh, continuing to have these relationships with uh, people who have law enforcement dog and scent detection dogs. And mm-hmm. um, and so the, so the adventure kind of continues in ways that are a, a little unexpected, uh, yeah. even though I'm not currently take, you know, taking solo out in the woods with me. Yeah. Now I'm thinking that there are probably a lot of local emergency people, uh, a lot of search and rescue people that would probably be more than willing to bring a dog into, into a school, into a classroom to, to just show, Hey, these are, these are the things that we've talked about and, and, and that we learn and teach and train these dogs to do, which would be an excellent follow-up if you have some kids that, that find that they really enjoy this book. Yes. And, you know, I mean, feel free to reach out to me as well, because it's true that this book has been kind of wonderful because I've been able to talk to people across the United States. But that also means if a teacher sends me a message of, of you know, anybody in and such area, it's really easy for me to reach out um, on Facebook or whatever and find the local search and rescue group that um, might be willing and able to do a, a demo or come in and, and talk yeah. to a classroom. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you, uh, Kat, just for, for mentioning that. And again, people can find out more information at catwarren.com. If I can ask you a couple other questions here as we, as we get towards, towards the end here, Kat. STEM education, so you're an English teacher, um, instructor at college, and, and yet you hear, I'm sure as everybody does, you hear a lot about STEM education. It's such a buzzword, and sometimes I think at too much of an extent that we can neglect other things, like, like what we're talking about today, like, like writing, like reading, like uh, getting out in the woods and those kind of things. But um, if you had a thought on, on what you hope for or see as some of the trends in STEM education. I, you know, I, I don't teach directly in STEM. I, mm-hmm. I really do like the word STEAM, right? Mm-hmm. Like add arts yep. STEM. And about half my students in my classes, in the science journalism classes, are scientists themselves. So I actually have a forensic toxicologist who's auditing my class because he's working on a, a book. But, I mean, our future is going to be so challenging. And when we talk about scientific literacy, we, we almost do it in a way that can kind of suck the joy out of it, right? There's something oh, yeah. about science literacy that sounds so horribly judgmental, right? Or either that or a lot of big words and lots of numbers. Right, exactly. And the thing is, is that making science fun for kids. There's so much sort of out of kids' control in their lives. I do think that what's marvelous about STEM is that it's not just about problem solving and understanding stuff. There's degrees to which it gives kids control of materials in a really unique way. And for those reasons, it's so crucial. We, we don't need to talk about all the problems that are out in the world and mm-hmm. how necessary it is that we have scientists who can understand and help, right? Yeah, exactly. We know that. But I think that it's also important that as dire as things may seem sometimes, to re-inject the joy into science education mm-hmm. um, and to be able to turn kids on and those future generations, right? It it is problem solving. Yeah. Like you said, getting kids to be excited about, about something and about reading about something is such an incredible way to do it. And again, that's, that's why I I wanted to have you as soon as, as soon as you reached out to me, Kat, that was so much why I wanted to have you on the show to be able to share because so many kids love dogs. So many kids love pets and animals and just what a great uh, extra connection that we can help some kids understand that the things that they're excited about and passionate about can can have all those those sciency and other types of things that that we talk about all the time often in our classes one question i got to ask you cat cuz i love to ask everybody if you could sit down for dinner with somebody from stem past or present who would you love to just sit down and talk with so i thought about this and i thought oh this is so obvious and yet it's <laughs> not obvious i, I want to sit down and have dinner with charles darwin And we, I guess everybody's going to recognize that name, but what's really interesting and I think less known is how much of a dog lover he was. His father actually sent him away to school because um, Charles was getting too into um, fox hunting and foxhounds and (laughs) way too much out with dogs shooting quail. And so his 
dad sent him off to be part of the clergy. But the fact is, is that, that Charles Darwin's, some of his earliest insights came from observing his own dogs, his pets, and his admiration for the dog. But it is fascinating that, that he, many of his theories were kind of prefaced with this appreciation and observation of these animals that were right next to him and his whole life, right? He yeah. had dogs his entire life and like a great variety of them. There you go. A couple of, couple of dog lovers sitting down over dinner. There we go. <laughs> I bet not many people knew that Charles Darwin was a, a dog lover. So now you know. One extra thing that you learned here on the STEM Everyday Podcast today. Any other thoughts, Kat? Any, any other last things you'd love to share? I, I know it. I just want to say it again, even before you say it. Thank you for writing this book. I think it's a, a great way. And I think us as educators are constantly looking for for books that can help engage our kids in a new different way with the different things. And, and in fact, there's things about history. There's things about uh, connections to all different types of subjects uh, in, in this book. Uh, so thank you most of all, I think, for, for writing it as a, as a young reader's edition as well, too, Kat. Oh, thank you so much. And yeah, I think the final message is, to me, some of the history and going mm -hmm. back and thinking about the history of the Civil War, of slavery, of sort of early evolution of dogs, you know, and sort of when we first started using them in a way, those were some of the most, I think, not provocative, but, but most engaging parts to write because yeah. it did combine science and history and and even ethics, right? To oh, yeah. A lot to think about, mm -hmm. even for me as I was trying to work with this material. So thank mm -hmm. you. Yeah. And again, the book is called What the Dog Knows. Uh, it's also available as a young reader's edition. Of course, you can find it wherever uh, books are sold. It's put out by Simon & Schuster. The other, I just got to say one last thing I really love about the book is you draw in all these different characters, these people that you met throughout your whole process of training the dog solo. And, and I think that's a great reminder too to kids uh, and us as educators that there's so many different types of jobs for things. And again, I keep saying this word over and over again, but the passion that people have and whether that's passion for pets or passion for whatever it might be, there are ways that those kind of things can be amazing careers for, for anybody to do. Um, so again, uh, if you want to connect with Kat, uh, you can find her at catwarren.com. Thank you again, Kat, for joining us on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. It was really a pleasure. And All right. I love these podcasts. I'm so glad that you're doing them. Yeah, good. So if teachers, if you have a kid that uh, says that their dog ate their homework, then uh, I think you know the book that you need to get for those kids to read. So thanks for listening to this episode of STEM Everyday Podcast. Remember, you can subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Please leave a review because that helps other educators to find out about it or share it with those educators, you know, especially this episode. If you know an educator that has some kids that love dogs in their classroom, which is, I think, everybody. And if you want to reach out to me, I'm on dailystem.com or dailystem on pretty much every social media. And we'll talk to you again next time. You're listening to this podcast on the ESDAC Broadcasting Network. To find more information about this or other podcast shows, please visit remarkablechatter.com.